Welcome everybody back for a special bonus episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and as always, alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and today we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. And Steve, as I said, this is a very special bonus episode of the podcast and it's an episode and a guest that you know we've been talking about for a few weeks and we finally pulled the trigger on it and have them in uh, sitting down with us for this episode and it's just another one of those examples we've had ryan spotter josh williams on the program before to give you kind of some insights that you might not know about uh, when it comes to racing in this team penske number 12 team so we've brought in another one of those possibly unsung heroes uh, behind the scenes there, and that is Justin Bosch. Justin is the hauler driver for Ryan Blaney's number 12 team at Team Penske, and really, really excited to have Justin on the program. So Justin, thank you and welcome to the Team Blaney podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. If you don't follow Justin on Twitter, you probably should. Um, he does a lot of updates and everything uh, from the hauler driver's perspective from the weekend, uh, uh, leading up to the weekend, going through the weekend, and on the way out. But Justin himself is a Miami, Florida native. Uh, he's a military veteran and has been with Team Penske since about 2012. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. February uh, of 2012, I started on the IndyCar side. But your your roots in racing go a little bit deeper than that. It, it, from what I understand, you did kind of uh, originally early on aspire to be a tire changer and were a tire changer at one point. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Did uh, Pro Cup stuff, Arca, and truck, and uh, did that for a little while. And but when I was in the Coast Guard stuff, I beat my legs up a lot riding, you know, boats, and uh, just moved on to bigger things. So what goes into training in, in the first place, just to even, to even be a tire changer? Because one, like I said, you're, you were in Florida, and at some point, obviously, you had to move north, right? And then how do, how do you even just break into that, that profession in the first place? Um, so I, was, I moved back home, and uh, I lived there for – was I moved back home for exactly a year. And uh, my dad told me I need to do something besides, you know, just make – do little odds and end jobs and make little money. And I said, I want to go work in racing. And uh, he goes, well, we have a house up in the mountains. Um, you can go live there and stay there, you know, not pay any rent or anything and just, you know, find a side and make gas money and food money. And uh, I went to the pick, uh, the five off five on school here in Mooresville. And that's how I started training. Um, it's weird. It, uh, Racing wasn't always a big thing for me. I mean, being from Miami, it's not a huge thing down there. Um, I was always about football, basketball, baseball. Um, and uh, my dad owned the company. One of his employees was a big, big, big NASCAR fan. And um, he started getting me into it. And uh, when Dale Sr. passed, I saw the passion he had for it and I started watching it more. And when I mean passion, this guy took more time off for the passing of senior than he did for his own family member. Oh man. So got more into it and 
my oldest brother got into it, me, and we we went to a couple races, and it's just I I fell in love with it, and here I am now. <laughs> so, how exactly did you um, did you one find out about an opening at Team Penske, and I? I and plus, in this process at this time, you did have to get a CDL too <laughs> prior to any of this. So you get your CDL, you see this opening, and then you apply for it, and then you end up working on their IndyCar side. Knew nothing about an opening at the time. Um, it was a couple openings that came up after the the Las Vegas race when the passing of Dan Weldon, the big wreck there. And um, a buddy of mine works in the carbon shop and uh he's like hey you know they're looking for some hauler drivers give me a resume and i'll in so i did that and i i talked to a couple buddies of mine that worked there and um good friends with russie's son steven so i had some connections and um jeff stankowitz which is a crew chief for sheldon creed now yeah um he worked there and so i had a good core of people that new at Penske. Um, so, uh, I did that and, uh, it was a couple weeks. They called me, asked me to come in for an interview and everybody that I knew that worked there, like, Hey, you know, it's just one interview. You'll probably have to go through five or six interviews. I was like, okay. So I didn't get my hopes up. And, uh, a couple weeks after my interview, they called me, Hey, can you go do a drug test? And this was, I want to say probably right at the end of January, beginning of February. And I went and did that. And I was actually being stay at home dad. And, uh, I went to drug test and two weeks later, they called me and when you're ready to start. So <laughs> came in and started and they said, you know, this, we need you on the IndyCar side. And I knew nothing about IndyCar except they ran, the big race in Indianapolis and they ran a rate. They used to run races in Homestead. That's all I knew. Everything else in between, I knew nothing about. How um, do you think that your experience at all uh, working on those pit crews and some of that stuff maybe kind of helped a little bit beyond just uh, your experience being able to actually drive a big rig like that? Um, possibly. Uh, I want to, I had, a lot of people told him I had good work. And, uh, I try to, I, I get, when I get into something, I have, I get like big passion for it and I, I get deep into it and, and I, maybe that helped out. I'm not, not sure exactly what helped me. I don't know if it was my references that helped me or whatnot, but, um, I'm glad it did. You know, it's been a great experience and, many more years to come you got to do some over the wall stuff with with the indy cars correct you got to do yes i was the air jack on uh almondinger's car i was the air jack on montoya's car and i filled in a couple times for power and uh for power's car now with um one of them was was it one were you with juan pablo when he won indy is that correct yes yes i was we led the points the whole year and uh we got to sonoma and uh two teammates tangled with each other and um we tied points with dixon at the end of the season he had more race wins than us and so 
they beat us in the championship by one point through the race win. So, but winning the, I mean, talk about that experience though, being on a team that won probably the biggest race in the world. What was that like him winning the Indy 500 and you being on that crew? Oh, it was, I mean, God, it's to this day, it's still like, I don't know how we did it. Like there's so much stuff that happened that day in that race to where it's like, I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. I had, we had a wheel, man. Montoya's a lot of people say they don't like him. I love him like a brother. Um, I could call him if I ever needed anything. I mean, he'll, he'll call me. We, we talk like we're family. And, um, I mean, it started out one of the first cautions, you know, we got ran into the back of by Simona. We had come back in, come in, change room. The next stop, we blew through the pit stall, had to pull the car back and pit it. Um, at one point during the race towards the end, he made a pass through the grass. Left sides were in the, <laughs> I mean, 200 miles an hour, you're putting your left sides in the grass. You're probably going to go for a ride. And we ended up victorious. And uh, it's, I didn't watch, I might've watched maybe five laps of that whole race that day. My parents were sitting in the stands. They came to watch the race and uh, just sitting there looking at them and watching them mingle with, um, you know, different fans. And I could see my mom, she's, she gets big into it. She's, oh, that's my son. That's my son. That's my son. And so I see her telling people and people wave stuff. And I just, when I hear it on the radio, you know, we're getting ready to do a pit stop. I'd get ready. And then after pit stop, pit stops happen so quick to where I don't even remember after a pit stop, I wouldn't even remember it. Like I asked, I'd go ask all the guys, how was it? Like, was it okay? And they're looking at me like, you don't remember him. <laughs> uh, I don't remember not one, one bit of it. So, but it was a cool day. Um, there's, there's only one other day in racing that's been that cool to me. And that was in 2018, winning the championship with Joey. And now that's a season from what I understand. So like at that point, obviously you've transitioned over from the IndyCar uh, haulers to the, the NASCAR stuff. And you started that year as Ryan's driver, right? Ryan's hauler driver. Yes. So in, 2015 so we'll back up a little bit sure uh, in 2015 um at the end of the indycar season we won the you know we won the indy 500 there and at the end of that season um the cup side needed help so i went over and i helped the joey's car so for the last 10 races i was on the 22 car and then 2016 i went back to indycar and at the end of that season they needed a guy on brad's car so for I helped them out for seven races. Well, I had been trying to push and trying and pushing to get my way to the NASCAR side full time. And uh, in 2017, it worked out um, to where Todd asked me if I, you know, if I'd be, you know, part of that team. And I was, you know, stoked about it. So I did that. And then in 2008, um, they asked me if I, move over to to Blaney's car and take over the 12th cup 12th car and uh I said yeah here I am you know we're just trying to get a truck that just got painted because it was our trailer at the time was the Miller Lite trailer mm. that they sent 
got painted. And by the time it came back, I'm in there at nine o'clock at night, you know, scrubbing floors, cleaning, you know, just trying to get it ready. Cause I mean, we had maybe had like four weeks to had to leave Daytona and, um, just got to dig in on that. And then, uh, walk Sonoma that year. I was on Blaney's car Ended up rupturing my, um, my appendix mm. and having, having my appendix removed in Sonoma, California. <laughs> um, I came back, uh, Kentucky. And at the time my co-driver, he got sick and, um, got an accident. And so I was kind of like trying to come back, ease my, ease my way back in and, uh, ended up being, okay, you're back in like 100%. This is back to you. And then a couple weeks later, Slam was my last race on the eight, on the 12 and moved back to the 22 and the outcome turned out pretty good. Now, now you're, so this had to be huge. So obviously that moment back in uh, 2015 with the Indianapolis 500, that was probably a moment there where you talked earlier about your dad uh, saying you needed to, you know, you needed to do something. You, you win the Indy 500 with Juan Pablo Montoya there in the stands. So you've done something. Now you go 2018 with Joey Logano's crew. Not only do they win the Cup Series championship, but they do it at Homestead. So that had to be special for you, right? It was um, winning the race. Like I always wanted to win there. You know, winning at your home track is always cool. But when you win there and you can win the championship at the same time, it's. I mean, I got chills now thinking about it. And uh, yeah, it was. There's not much I remember, but <laughs> I can imagine it was. It was good times. And uh, it's some, I'll, something I'll never forget. I've said it on the, this podcast a few times, and Steve can attest to that, that um, I've been to Daytona the most, but Homestead, uh, we've gone to like the last three or four years, and has to be probably my favorite track, racing-wise, venue-wise, like location, all that stuff. Um, got to see, I mean, it wasn't a, a Penske driver, but when uh, Kyle Busch, I saw Jimmy Johnson win his championship there. When Kyle Busch won a couple of years ago, got, got to experience maybe slightly what you experienced. We got to go down to, you know, where they're doing the victory celebration and see the crew celebrate and everything. So I can imagine just, yeah, how special uh, of a day that was just in general. So obviously tons of, tons of accolades in your past here. Um, but one thing that uh, I think we want to do is just kind of give the fans a little bit of an insight into what you do because your you know your LinkedIn and resume and everything says hauler driver, so it's a very big misconception there. Obviously, you're already talking about you're a hauler driver for the on the IndyCar side, but you're also essentially a pit crew member as well. So hauler driver is just you know the basic title. You have a ton of stuff from what I understand that you're in charge of um, beyond that, plus also assisting you know the the guys that go over the wall uh, each week as well. Yeah. Um, so start of the week, you know, usually Monday, Tuesday is my day off. Um, Wednesday, I get a lot of flack from mechanics, you know, oh, you, you get all this time off, you know, <laughs> we're here at the shop, but I tell them, you know, like tell me, I, you know, there's times I'll bicker about, oh man, it's a long drive. It's a long drive. And they're like, oh, that's what you signed up for, you know? So I give it back to them, you know, you guys, 
you guys signed up to be a mechanic. I signed up to be a truck driver. Um, but uh, Wednesdays, um, on a, before COVID, it was a lot different. Yeah. Um, COVID has changed a lot of things with us. But uh, so I'll, I'll go back to pre-COVID because that's when a lot more was done as a hauler driver. Um, you know, you come in, you take everything off your hauler from the week before that not needed um, parts. It's, you know, spare batteries, line kits, um, uniforms, anything you could think of, like, that would be able to be used on a weekend. All it gets taken off. Um, then we restock it. Um, restock the coolers with all of our drinks, our body armor, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've had to start locking our cooler because the <laughs> demand for the body armor between garage and at the shop is it's pretty high. You know, everybody loves it. Um, Good stuff. Oh yes, I'll, I'll drink it all day. Um, so restocking the cooler, loading the uniforms for the the next race. Um, and then once parts start coming in, you have to put those in cabinets and, um, in their correct spot. So that way, you know, once we get to the racetrack, if I'm not, if I'm not there, the mechanic or the code, you know, my co-driver Greg's not there for the, um, for mechanic, they know right where to go to, to, to get their spare parts or spare hubs, um, springs, oils, anything you would need. Um, Thursdays, Wednesdays were usually load days, um, before when we had a full race weekend, um, cause we usually had to leave Wednesday night to get to, you know, the, the race to park Thursday evening. Um, so we'd travel throughout, you know, usually Wednesday nights was travel night. Um, we'd get to the track Thursday, get truck washed, you know, wiped down shined up mr penske loves shiny haulers so we're not allowed to pull them track dirty and we don't want to either you know when you have when you have some of the nicest haulers out there um and you spend so much time during the off season taking care of them it's uh it's you're wanting to make sure it's clean shiny you know and looking good looking the best Yes, um, Steve and I have both been uh, to the Penske shop in the past, and everything there—merchandise store, the catwalk thing at the top, everything—you just seeing the entire shop, at least that you can see from there. Immaculate. Uh, if, Everything's immaculate. You, the whole, the whole shop, like so, all that tile that's on the on the floor in the shop—that's all imported from Italy. Hmm. So it's Italian tile, and so um, maintenance guys there at the shop very good job of keeping it maintained if one gets broken or chipped they'll take it out (laughs) clean it up and put a new one in and uh so um but back to a race weekend um gets a track so we'll park unload set up um on a regular race weekend we would set up the observation deck so that way todd and the engineer can go up top and during practice and qualifying and watch the car um set up the garage so that way when we unload cars ready to go in the garage you go up on jack stands or go up on scales whatever's need needed to be done 
and be ready for practice. Um, when practice starts, uh, I usually fuel the car. Um, if we're doing mock runs, like for qualifying, I would uh, help run the cooldown unit. Um, myself and the, the other truck driver, we're basically the cooldown unit, the guy jack up the car, and then as, as needed, extra hands to help make changes on the car. Um, and then qualifying, we'd go out there and run the cooldown unit also. Um, and come race day, uh, tear down everything, observation deck, um, getting the garage cleaned up, tidied up, ready. But also having it prepped just in case something happens during the race where we can come in and, you know, jack the car up, get it up on stands and whatever we're allowed to fix. Being that, you know, with NASCAR's new rules that you only have certain stuff you can fix. Yeah. Um, and then uh, during the race, I uh, I run fuel. So during, after pits, when the empty cans come, I'll take them over to fuel and get them filled back up and bring them back so the fueler can weigh them and get them prepped for the next stop. During a pit stop, I catch the, the, the first can he's fueling with. When he tosses it behind the wall, I catch it, set it down, and then I'm also there to help catch the um, left rear tire. And then if, if something happens, you know, during a race, I'm, I know where, you know, spare parts are to, you know, hand out or bear bond or anything that's needed. So once race is done, load everything back, back up and truck on home. Now, um, you talked about how the COVID pandemic kind of changed things a little bit. Did you find with, cause they, they restricted the number of crew members for one, um, and just restrictions in general, the masks and distancing and, um, who could be in the garage and who couldn't, did you find that you had even more responsibilities with such a limited crew or were you, did you actually have less access to some of the normal things that you normally would do? No, I have full access to everything. Um, whatever I had access to before I have access to now. Um, uh, just, I go, I go through tech a lot, you know, since COVID, since we've lessened the amount of guys and mechanics that come and stuff. Um, I help push the car through tech every week. Um, so it's, I've learned a lot more about the car. Than that. Um, and it's, it's, it hasn't changed a lot. It's changed more back or prior to getting to the racetrack. And with COVID being the one day shows have, you know, changed your routine of witching at the shop because you're not, you don't get all the extra spare parts like you would usually do on a normal race weekend. Cause after practice and stuff, you know, the guys would change brakes and change, um, oils and and hubs axles and everything now you show up ready to race and once you get through tech as long as you pass go out to the racetrack and you're ready to go and you're also only hauling one car at this point prior to this you guys would have a backup car up in the hauler as well correct correct so it makes the load a lot lighter (laughs) (laughs) 
what's uh what's some of your favorite places to to actually a road trip to um i know that a lot of people you know, love the holler parades and stuff like that so what's some of the better cities and more more fun places that you get that you that you like going to uh let's see here i'm a of course a big fan of going to homestead um bristol um I'm not a big fan of going up north. Once I get past Pocono, I'm totally not a fan of. <laughs> Watkins um, Glen well, and all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Watkins Glen's really not that bad. Um, it's a lot of the, like, because you really don't hit a lot of town, like, area, except Williams, you know, Williamsport or Williamsport, or Williamsport uh, Pennsylvania, where the Little League World Series is. But mm-hmm. going to New Hampshire, it's... Oh, yeah. I know it's only 16 hours, but it's a dreadful 16 hours. Um, Sonoma's not bad. It's a long trip. Um, it's nice out there. You see a lot of scenery going out west. Um, but Homestead, Bristol, Daytona. Uh, Kansas. Texas. Is is it fun to drive down Vegas Boulevard? It's cool. Um I've I've done the Holler Parade twice and uh it's cool. I it's it's just weird how you do it so far from the track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean when you say Las Vegas Motor Speedway, you really think, oh it's right there. It's it's not right there. That's like 20 miles away. Almost you leave, you leave the city and then you're, you know, then you get to the track. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty cool. I mean, they're, when they do do the hall of parade in Vegas, it's, I mean, people lined up down the streets and it's, yeah. they take you through. I mean, once you leave the strip and you're getting to go back to the interstate, um, you go through some, some areas that you don't think, high dollar hauler should be going through, <laughs> but yeah, you know, as long as you keep your foot on the gas pedal, they're not going to bother you. How, how hard is it to get in and out of Bristol? Like the track itself, like that's like a really tight, tight area. Um, and plus I think when you come in, you come in like over that turn, right? So you, so you come in and exit in the same entrance. Um, I've done it a couple times, usually going to Bristol. I don't drive the hauler there. Uh, code my co-driver Greg, he's been driving for, I mean, thirty years maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in the sport very very long. Um, his family used to own um a race team, so he's been doing it forever. Um, so there it's usually his. That's his trip. Um, I let him have it, and I'll take the, <laughs> you know. The, the rental car, whatever I need to pick up, you know, the rest of the, tr- the truck drivers and take them to and from the hotel. But the times I have done it, it's it's a weird feeling. You go in and then you drop. <laughs> Your <laughs> yeah. roller coaster, probably. <laughs> exactly. And then when you're coming out, oh, coming in, you hear things creak, bang, pop. Yeah. That you're in your head. You're especially if you've never done it before, and you hear that you're like, oh, something just broke. Something that just happened. Um, it's just you're tweaking things that aren't normally tweaked that way. But then leaving, 
as long as you leave yourself enough gap in between you and the truck in front of you. Um, our trucks are all automatics, our Freightliners, which make it so much nicer going through traffic and stuff. I mean, yeah. you don't have to worry about clutching every time. Um, you just put it in manual mode and then paddle shift it, get it in third gear and stay on the throttle and it just climbs right up it and motor on. I mean, it's a lot of people ask like, man, is your truck really going to pull out of the truck, that track that easy, especially if it's raining? Never had an issue. Now you mentioned you have a, you have the co-driver there and you mentioned trips out to Sonoma. What is a, a rotation like uh, driving wise? You guys have a set thing or you kind of just uh, swap out whenever you want to, or how's that process work driving cross country? Um, we, I mean, we have to go by DOT regulations. So, um, you, we are allowed to drive 11 hours, but in that 11 hours, you have to take a mandatory 30 minute break. So usually, um, we travel with the 21 with the Wood Brothers truck. Uh, just, it, it looks cool that you get two Menards mm-hmm. trucks rolling the road together. But, um, so we usually drive eight hours, um, stop take, cause you have to take your 30 minute break by your eight, you know, by the beginning of your eighth hour or excuse me. Yeah. Within your eight hours, you have to take a 30 minute break. So we usually stop at our eight hour mark, take our 30 minute break. And then after that, you know, it's basically all downhill from there. It's only three and a half, you know, three hours, three and a half hours that you got left. Um, and, uh, go to our 11 hour mark. And man, we have digital log books. So, it tells us, you know, you have, you know, with once you get to the 59 minute mark, the thing says, um, warning, you have 59 minutes left or you're under an hour. So just to beware. So, but we've, I mean, you've done that trip so many times, you know, basically where your landmarks are stop swapping out. Um, sometimes it'll change depending on how traffic is, how the weather is. Um, but 99% of the time we have, a point that we we're, we're going to stop at and swap out and then he'll drive his 11 hours or which tends to be 11 and a half hours because the 30 minute break yeah um and then so it's the going to sonoma it's i'll usually drive twice and he'll usually drive twice and that'll put us right at the track at the at our time limit when it's the west coast swing i've heard of teams i don't know whether penske does this or not Sometimes someone else is already going back to the shop to get other cars or parts and then coming back across again. Is that, is that kind of the process you guys go by as well? Yeah, we, uh, on the West coast swing, we'll go up both, you know, all the trucks will have all the tr- primary truck drivers in it. Um, your main truck driver, your backup truck driver, however you want to call it. Um, on 12 car, we, we just have two truck drivers. He's the main one. Greg is because he's been there the longest and, doing it you know a lot longer than i have but we try not to make it be that way um but once we get out there uh, either before the so what is it usually when it used to be vegas phoenix fontana or yeah something like that vegas fontana it's one of those but one 
one of us from each truck would fly home, mm. um, either with a team or commercial. And uh, we have six car haulers. We can load up. You can load up technically six cars in there. But um, usually one truck will leave early with the Xfinity stuff. And then um, we'll have a second truck leave with the the primary cars for the following week. So whichever truck goes first usually brings um, all the backup cars for the next race, which when when we ran practice sessions and qualifying when you needed a backup car. Now we'll, we'll usually send a truck out empty and they'll bring us some spare parts and some of our drinks to restock. That way we're not making it a useless trip out. And then once we get out, once they get out there and we get all the spare parts off, we'll put, you know, our spare parts and spare wraps and the motors for that weekend that, you know, our spare motors that we have, we'll put it on that truck along with race cars and that'll come home. And then, um, then come usually Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, the truck would leave to meet out West with the, the next races, uh, primary cars. Do you, um, we talked a little bit about some of these hauler parades and things that happen. And, um, I think I sent you a message on social media. I think it was at the Atlanta race, but my wife and I were wandering around the track and we went out to where you guys hadn't pulled in yet. I think it was after the Xfinity race and we're walking up and down the road and wandering around the hauler. And I think I said something like, he's probably in there uh, taking a nap or something. And I'm out here taking pictures of the truck, but do you guys, do you guys find, um, even when you're making, you know, you, you, you're stopping for your 30 minute uh, DOT break or other stuff. Is it almost like being in these big Penske, you know, flashy Penske haulers kind of makes you a little mini celebrity when you're at the, at the stops Do people try to stop and take photos or bother you knock on the door or anything like that. Knocking on the door, not really. Cause usually when we're stopped, we're, you know, fueling or yeah. um, they'll see us get out and ask us questions. Um, usually it's like, Oh, what do you guys, what do you guys hauling or whose car you got? where are you guys going? Um, other ones are like, how do we get a job doing this? You know, this, this is what I've always wanted to do. Well, there's times I think about like, is it really what you've always wanted to do? Or you just see these nice trucks and it's, you know, not knocking any, any transportation company out there, but you know, a lot of our, you know, the race teams haulers are some of the nicer ones on the road and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of trucking companies out there that have really nice and, and keep their stuff really nice. Um, but you get those, those questions. Oh, where, you know, where are you going? You got any hats? You got any hero cards? Um, going through way stations, we'll jokes on whoever we're rolling with. Um, usually the, whoever's in the front will be like, Oh, that truck behind us has all the, the shirts, the sweaters, the hats, die cast cars, just ask them for it. You know, we try to, we have fun. Um, it's cool to interact with the fans going down the road at nighttime. It's, it gets annoying. Sometimes you can tell when people are taking pictures viewing because you, you see them sitting right there. And then, you know, going out West, you're, you're rolling pretty good and you come rolling up and we have, we have the adaptive cruise control on our trucks. So that slows us down when you get to a certain point coming up to a vehicle, but you're wanting to get out and, to be able to pass another vehicle and you can't cause you got, you know, 
mom and pops next to us taking pictures <laughs> and you know look who look who i'm riding down the road with dealing which is cool you know it's yeah. fine just we're trying to get somewhere too <laughs> you get uh you get teamed back up with uh, the 12 team the last couple of years here uh this season's been a lot of fun uh with the 12 uh, with ryan uh with a couple wins and everything uh is it um I mean, being part of the team, isn't that really kind of cool, especially when you win a couple of races in a season? Yeah, it's been – this year has been awesome. Um, Ryan's a really good kid, um, great attitude. I can tell he has the passion to do – you know, to to want to do it. And uh, I know it's always been a big hump for him. You know, he's won one race for X amount of years, and it's – there's been a big, you know, hump for him to try to win multiple races. And when we won Atlanta, that was really cool. Cause just, just to see how the, you know, the maturity, the, the, the want for it and, um, winning there and then going to Michigan and it, we joke about it still to this day that when he's, you know, saying the car is doing this or something's wrong with the car, we know he's doing good because when we won in Michigan, when he got out of the car in victory lane, he was talking to, Oh man, the car, the car was doing this. I, I wish it was doing, you know, I needed this better. Well, one of these days when he gets a perfect car, <laughs> he's just going to go out to the field. Cause I mean, they told him the same way, you know, my car couldn't do this. Or I, you know, once I got to somebody, I couldn't, I, when I try to pass, I, you know, and one, you know, like in my, in my head, I'm saying you won though. Don't, you know, don't worry about it. You know, we got the victory and, uh, but this year has been especially cool. I mean, he's especially, you know, it's Todd's last year with, with us, um, which is heartbreaking because Todd's been like a, uh, he's like a father to our group, you yeah. know, he, he has fun. He, uh, he jokes around with us and, um, for us to have a year like this on his last year, it's fitting. So speaking of Todd, uh, obviously moving on and I know you, like you said, you've moved between the different teams here and there. Um, what does him leaving mean for you? I mean, you don't have to go into specifics, but also Ryan has a new crew chief and Jonathan Hassler coming over from the 21 car. So I'm sure you're familiar with him a little bit as well. So, um, cause you would still essentially be kind of part of that crew overall with a new leader coming in to run the team. Correct. Um, come the off season, you don't know what, what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, it could, you know, we, we've had it, couple years ago we had a big team shakeup yep i don't i don't see it happening but when you have sometimes teams don't want to come you know even too comfortable and um i don't know if they'll change groups again i don't think they will um i think they see that things are clicking good um with austin coming up no what's gonna that's that's where it it makes it hard to figure out because you you know austin has a good a good group of guys has with his xfinity car so did they bring that group up with you know with him 
to the two? And do they split those two guys up in between the rest of the team? Or so, um, I expect everybody to stay the same. Um, I've worked with Hassler a little bit back in 2016 when I was on the, the two car with uh, Brad. Um, he's a cool guy, very knowledgeable. It's cool to see what he's done with the 21 car this year. Yep. Um, and uh, after looking at the the practice, the test, you know, the test charts from uh, from the past two days, it looks, you know, like things are in the right direction. So um, I hope everything goes. Because I mean, if if things go good with them too, then that means it, it's going good for all of us. So. How does um your Twitter handle there, Fatback? Is that a Penske? Is that a, is that a, was that one of those famous Penske nicknames? Yes, it is. I so before I started at Penske, um, I had the nickname of Paco. Um, I'm Puerto Rican, so a lot of the guys, Paco, 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 and um, I don't know if you ever or heard of a guy named AJ Frank. He used to run ASA cars and Pro Cup stuff and all that. Um. He gave me the nickname Paco, and then uh, so when I started at Penn IndyCar side, um, my uh, transportation boss in the IndyCar side, it's like, oh, we can't call you that here, you know, that's not, that's, can't do that. It's like, okay, you know. So I was back at Justin at that time. Well, I'm a big pork pork rind person. I love pork rinds. Well, the bag I would always bring in said Fatback <laughs> on it. So it started, hey, Fatback, hey, Fatback. Well, then they they joked around because they said all I did was either walk around and eat pork rinds or walk around with a cookie and a soda ham all the time. So then they were just joking on me because, you know, I'm just being a fatty. So it just went, fit. but then, you know, there's a guy on the 21, he'll joke around, hey, Slim Front. Instead of calling me fat back, he calls me slim front. So, um, and then some of the guys from back in the day know me for a long time that are in the cup series or NASCAR and how, you know, they, every once in a while I hear, Hey Paco, I'm like, Paco, I'm like, Oh, Hey, Hey, <laughs> so, but fat back, it came from fat back pork rinds. Now you the just... guys are going to, in 2016, the guys are going to be really funny and, uh, Phoenix, um, when I was helping the two, the, no, it was, sorry, it was in 2014. I flew out to Phoenix to help them drive home before Homestead. And um, those guys were, they were going to take a bunch of money. They, they were all going to chip in and buy a bunch of pork rinds and put them in the driver's seat. So when I, when I came to the track to get in the, the truck to go, that all these pork rinds were going to fall out on me. <laughs> they never did it, but I, it's still a funny story that, you know, Wait till. Now you just mentioned uh, your Puerto Rican descent. Um, what do you feel about so like this year? I, I'm mainly probably bringing this up because of my wife and Steve will laugh, but she's a big Daniel Suarez fan. Obviously, he's not Puerto Rican, but still, you're seeing like an infusion of more. You have him. You have Pitbull coming in. That's Hispanic Heritage Month uh, this month, I think, as well. So, do you think? Uh, or are you excited to see kind of more people? Um, that are like Hispanic, Latino, kind of popping up into the sport 
uh, in more prominent levels. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool to see what's what's coming about in in the in the series um, with Pitbull joining, uh, Jordan joining. I mean, the diversity is good because I remember going to the track when I was here. You didn't see much diversity, and I grew up in a very diverse area, like uh, South Florida, Miami area. I mean, it's yeah. the United Nations, you know. Um, I uh, I hung out with anybody and everybody you could think of, you know, and um, friends with everybody. So to me, it's I know for some of the old school people, they don't, you know, some might not like it, but you, by infusing that you're, you're bringing the sport up too. you know, you're, you know, more teams means more competition and the more, more competition you get, which means better, better viewing, better races. Um, my brother went to school with Pitbull. So that was, when when I seen him um, becoming a you know part owner in uh, track house racing, that was pretty cool. Um, I called my brother the day I heard about, it, and he's like, "What? No way! <laughs> I never, I would never think people would be in NASCAR." And I was like, well, he's a team owner now, and and like you see pictures of Heath out all the time. You know, he's always wearing that track house hat, and it's it's cool to see. Um, so it's I'm I'm glad it's happening. Um, I know, and and by that, you know, when it goes, when the races go down to to Homestead, you could see the diverse part. You know, the Hispanic community comes out very big, and um, it's cool to see. Now, um, you mentioned obviously you're you're running some really great equipment out on the road. Uh, you've been able to win, you know, championships, big races. Would you consider this your dream job? But I also do know that um, college football teams and NFL teams, they have some, some hauler drivers that, uh, that drive some of their equipment around between uh, games. Would, would you, uh, if you were driving for the U or if you were driving for uh, uh, the Dolphins, uh, do you think that, <laughs> that that would be next level? You don't have to answer that because I know you're, you're a very dedicated Team Penske uh, <laughs> employee right now. But I'm not. If, if, if I was at a point to where I was done traveling, you know, three quarters of the year and I was done in racing, you know, that would be, I mean, an opportunity arose. Yeah. Right now. I'm, I mean, I enjoy working in racing. Um, if I didn't, I would have moved back home to Florida. <laughs> Let's just say that. So I haven't moved back to Miami. I bought a house here. as where you know, I plan on my roots, me and the family. And, um, I, I enjoy where I'm at. You know, it, it makes it 10 times better when you're driving the equipment. I'm driving down the road, knowing that if anything ever happened, like we have a, a number off, if we pop, blow a tire, if we, something happens with the truck, you know, we call our Penske SOS number and we're gearing on the road within four hours. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's – I've seen that the U 
equipment trailer. It's yep. it's pretty cool. I've seen <laughs> LSU's equipment trailer. That's pretty cool. Um, the Dolphins, I don't think they have one that's painted up as the Dolphins, just for reasons of – so I remember back in the day, some teams wouldn't paint their haulers up due to insurance reasons. Uh, I could see that, yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's probably why the dogs don't have one painted up, but I'm pretty sure if they did, it'd be pretty cool too. And, you know, who knows, maybe one, one day years from now when they're back to winning football games. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so. I'm, sh- I'm sure this past weekend, uh, at the Roval, I was lucky enough to get a to get to go up there. Well, I mean, I made a, the the long seven hour drive for me. I know you've driven much further uh, from Florida up there to go, so or my wife and I could go see the Roval race. Um, probably a pretty tense uh, day, though. Ryan did run really well. Um, you guys have advanced on into the next round of the playoffs here. Uh, the round sets up pretty good going to Texas and Kansas and Martinsville, all very strong tracks uh, for Blaney. Do you have any predictions, or you don't want to, you don't want to jinx anything going on? Uh, how how this uh, twelve team is going to do the rest of the year? These next four tracks are right in his wheelhouse. Um, I don't want to make a prediction because I'm not that kind of person. Even though I did do thing in 2018, I uh, I told the guys, joked around, I said, if we make it to the championship, I'll dye my I'll frost the tips of my hair. And I had I had look I had a little bit longer hair than I have now, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we won Martinsville, and I came home and told the wife I said it's time to frost the tips, <laughs> and uh, so we went and bought some dye and I frosted the tips. But ah, uh, he's good at Texas. He's really good at Kansas. He's damn good at Martinsville. Yes, sir damn good at phoenix so it couldn't have played out any better for right now um don't get me wrong these next five tracks are really good for penske um kyle larson's had a hell of a season so you can't count him out denny hamlin has also can't count him out either but i got my money I'm not gonna say I got my money, but I got you. I'm not I'm not a betting person, but I'm it all sets up on. really well. Yes. All right. Well, I mean, so, Justin, uh, I'll take I'll take it. <laughs> well, we're excited. We're excited to see what plays out the rest of the season. Um, really glad that you stopped by uh, and jumped here on the Team Blaney podcast. Like I said, we've been following along with you and your your travels and your photos and your uh, your fandom uh, of football <laughs> along the way. It. Yeah, there's there's times I get angry about it. And... It's okay. You gotta tweet I mean, through it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. just gotta let it. So. But yeah, we just really want to thank you for coming on, sharing some of your insight. We really just, uh, we, you know, we had Josh Williams on, Ryan Spotter a few times, but even just that first episode, we just kind of want to give people some insight on some of these behind the scenes folks that are really, you know, helping out week to week and your specific job. Like I said, it says hauler driver, but it's also a hauler driver, pit crew member, you know, gas can catch, 
you know, you're, you're catching tires, you're, you're doing way more than that. And I think it's really important to let people know, uh, what everybody is doing behind the scenes. And thanks to Steve, Steve reaching out to you to make this happen. So really appreciate you coming on our, on our program. Definitely. I thank you guys. Yeah. The hauler part, the hauler driving part of it's only 20%. That's what we say. It's 20% of what you got to do. Everything else in between nobody sees really. And, uh, but it's fun. Um, I enjoy doing, you know, tweeting pictures out and letting everybody know that, you know, I'm getting ready to head out and doesn't, doesn't hurt to, you know, when you're posting a picture of a nice, shiny lit up hauler getting ready to hit the road. And, um, but, uh, yeah, follow along. And I mean, I'll try to tweet out some more stuff when I'm going down the road and let you guys, you know, let everybody know where, where we're at, especially the last four races. I'll let, let everybody know where, where, where we're stopping and they swing on the road, give us a honk. And if, if co-driver is not sleeping, we'll give them a nice train horn. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, safe travels this weekend as you guys head out to uh, Texas motor speedway and good luck to you and uh, this entire 12 team for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. All right, thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. And honestly, thank you everyone for your support all year long since we've launched this program. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that really dives deep in how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney, and on Instagram at Team.Blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify podcasting apps. You can also find our podcast right there on your Facebook feed if you have a mobile device and you're looking at the Team Blaney page. And once again, to close out the show, we want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, on Twitter, at rbfamfoundation, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. So, for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers, and we'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast.